This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Adrian and Adam, the A-Team. Say hello in your respective mannerisms that you so choose. Hey, guys. What is up, goons? So how the hell are you today? And keep it apolitical, because we would hate to offend somebody with delicate sensibilities on iTunes. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Today's a good day. It's a good day. It is. Hey. It just got better. <laughs> so, new year, new movies, old movies. This movie feels like a bajillion years old. What movie are we talking about this week, my goons? Wes Craven's New Nightmare. From 1994. Wake up, it's 1994. It's not that old. I mean, gosh. I mean, I was 10 when that came out. I thought I was older than that. My God. Yeah, I think I was like six. I don't know, but I know I saw it around that time because I remember Freddie in the hospital room and I remember I couldn't sleep for a week. So probably shouldn't have been watching it. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely brought me back to a time in my life. It just brought me back to like years of summer camp and stuff like that. It was a very big nostalgia bomb rewatching it. It brought me back to a simpler time. Much simpler. So aside from an age of mysticism and wonder, what other media were you consuming in 1994? Oh my God. Oh, good question. I don't know. Um, Adam, you go, because I can't remember that far back. Okay, well, I'll tell you what I was watching. <laughs> Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That was literally what was going to come out of my mouth. Oh, that's what I was happening. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happened. August 28th, 1993 was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger came out February 18th. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, everybody was watching Power Rangers. Oh, my God. Now, which ranger were you? Who is everybody's ranger? I think it's pretty clear which one I am. What? <laughs> I'll accept two. I will easily accept two. And also, all of you fucking Instagram followers who didn't vote in on what color Power Ranger we were, that was bullshit. Because you could go on a whole dissertation about that. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Well, Adam is wearing glasses, so he's clearly the Blue Ranger. Uh, Adrian is wearing pink, and she is a girl. And technically speaking, the Yellow Ranger is not a girl because originally, Boy, who's the original character, is a a boy with the wiener. So you'd be the pink ranger, which leaves me as obviously. Uh, Are you Jason? Or- Dude, I'm, you're not you Jason because I'm yeah. calling Tommy with my ponytail, man. That's not oh, fair yeah. at all. I, you no, can't no, be Tommy. Oh, How are you Tommy? Like not Adam. I mean, how is Jake Tommy? I'm trying to I'm trying to piece this together. Are you the bad boy on good? Is that what yeah. you are? I am way more I'm extra than everybody else. <laughs> So obviously I'm going to have my own Zord and my own thing. No. And also I have way better fashion than anybody gives me credit for. So clearly I would be wearing the shimmery shiny. And also I'm a defense attorney, which a lot of people characterize as a bad guy. So give me some credit here. (laughs) Also red makes me look blotchy and bloated. So I really don't want to be the red ranger. Okay. That's why I'm fine with being blue, I guess. Well, uh, give me your best, give me your best Tommy uh, karate cry. <laughs> Jesus didn't tap. What? I also would have accepted Black Ranger because I, you know, I really love his weapon. And I think that my <laughs> certain parts of my anatomy identify Rachel Dolezalian, if you will. Uh, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> 
so this movie south real fast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working a little Blue Ranger today, if you will. So uh, this film was released October 14th, 1994. Finally, a fucking movie released in October. That's a horror film. Weirdest thing. I know, I know. Horror is usually kept for what, like January and midsummer. We never really get solid horror in October. I mean, let alone a top slasher. Yeah, I completely agree. It's weird, too, that they didn't even try and vaguely theme this with the Halloween season like. It just seems if you're going to go there, there should be a reason to be there. But hey, I'm not complaining. I'm happy that it's there. I don't remember seeing this in theaters. I'm sure I watched this on cable or VHS or something thereafter. Definitely. That's where I caught it at that age. It was probably on like USA or something. Yeah. Unfortunately, Adam lived on the other side of the country in Connecticut. And so I couldn't put him on my shoulders in a trench coat and sneak (laughs) us in to a a theater. We would have been so convincing, man. Yeah. But yeah, sadly, I'm just another Connecticut. So the movie was uh, like, do I do I announce statistics? It's so weird going back to like strictly movies for this month because I'm like, uh, should I fully lean back into our retro days or I'm just going to go with it. The statistics for this episode. I think it's important to know what part it is. Right, Jake? And yeah, it's seven. Yeah, part seven. Okay, go ahead. Step to this. Sorry, you you broke up when you said, okay, uh, repeat, please. Just said okay. Okay. Wait, did I say something after that? Sorry. Go ahead. I'll be quiet. No, you had said okay, statistics. And so the whole thing was digitized, but I just need the clear audio for the editing. If I ask you to repeat yourself, it's just that's the only reason. Yeah, but I I forgot what I said. So I'm sorry. (laughs) Maybe you should give yourself the credence of paying attention to yourself. I know. Okay. All right, Jake, go ahead with statistics. I didn't mean to interrupt. That sounds so polished. I need you to do a little bit more like. A little more natural, like your Axel Foley, like, come on, man, I'm going to fall for no banana my pale vibe. <laughs> okay, statistics. There we go. But I have to leave all of that in, all of the distorted audio and everything. Otherwise, people are going to be like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> written and directed by Wesley Craven. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one. I've, I, I'm going to go into straight from the writing element to the runtime. The runtime is an hour and 52 minutes, and this movie is too fucking long. It is a good or above average episode of like a Twilight Zone or an Outer Limits. But for a movie, get the fuck over it. It's way too long for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, it was definitely a dragging watch this time. I mean, I'd seen it before, and it never really felt as long as this time watching it. I don't know what it was, but there was a lot more I picked up on this time. What about you, Aid? I didn't think it was that long, but I knew that Jake wrote too long on there. Like, I knew you wrote that. But I I loved it back in the day. I I have them all, so I rewatched it when we decided we were doing this. And then I rewatched it again today when I got home. And there's so many fun things to pick up, especially when you go through Robert England's eyes of the film. And you start to appreciate it better. An hour and 52 minutes is not that long. It just feels long. That's one of the things that frustrates me is it's like, you know, I get that it's a celebration of Wes Craven. He, you know, he's the prodigal son returning to the franchise after being just fucked and fucked and fucked. And so I get kind of giving him a little more carte blanche authority. But I usually have a problem when there is a writer director. I feel that more often than not, they're afraid to throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're afraid to parse it down. They don't want to lose even a syllable of their brilliance. And in a movie like this, I'm like, who fucking cares, bro? Like half of it. Like, why do we have to go from their house to the hospital to back? Like the stuff that's good is good. And what's frustrating is the good gets diluted with the milieu, if you will. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking because it, there was what, maybe four kills in this film yep. and just the length of it really, like you said, don't just, it was so far and few between it barely felt like a slasher film. Yeah. And when you consider that two of the kills happen off screen, it's pretty disappointing. Well, not technically they happen in the beginning, right? In her dream. So they are on screen, but that's a dream. That is a dream, but like everything that's happening in her dreams is happening in real life. But that's not how it happened, though. That's the problem. See, here's my question is like the same with the first one. <laughs> it ends in another dream kind of thing. Like when it, it, in the original Glenn, Rod, Tina, Nancy are all riding off in the But like Nancy shows back up in part three. But did like Rod, Tina, and Glenn really die? Like originally, like in the yeah. blood fountain from the bed, or is it? That's the part that's always confused me, and I feel like that's what happens in this one again. It's like, is everyone really dead? If this was just a script, well, that's what's fun. So in Wes yeah. Craven's original script, mm. it is all just a dream. Bob Shea changes it so it has like a twist ending, and so when Craven's work comes back on Dream Warriors, it's like, gotcha. Mm. He's like reasserting okay. himself. Yeah, I do remember that. And so that's one of the things with this movie. He basically just like goes, ah, fuck the movies I don't like. They're all fictional, which I got to admit, that's pretty brilliant. It's just too long. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to I will always defend every Nightmare film mix with the exception of maybe Freddy's Dead. But I, I like what they did with it. And I like the fact that he threw out everything else after that, because, I mean, really, it's a, it's a reality and fantasy together. Right. So it's. It's their real lives as if like if Freddie came and infiltrated their lives. And so it does make sense. I feel like it needs to be a little bit longer because we get to see all of our favorite characters again. We get John Saxon. Rest in peace, John Saxon. I love you so much. Eyebrows better than Adrian. Done. On it's the record. true. I have know. You, have, you guys, <laughs> have you guys ever noticed John Saxon looks exactly like Zac Efron? Yes, 100%. Do it side by side. It's unbelievable. I just saw it. My friend posted about it the other day. My mind was just blown that I'd never realized it. Yeah, John Saxon was a good looking guy. I mean, hello. So why wouldn't, I mean, I could see that. I totally see that. Yeah. So anyway, so he's in it, but we also have cameos from different characters. We've got a lot of throwbacks to part one and you can't really have all of these, these amazing things that like the real, like diehard fans and imagine all these people are obsessed with, with Freddy Krueger back then. I, don't remember that much because I was born at the, you know, the end of the eighties. But if you like started off at the beginning, then obviously you grew up with Freddie, like in the house and, and Freddie was such a huge part. I mean, think of all the movies that he's like transcended into. I mean, even the fucking wedding singer, remember the little boys running around the house with the Freddie mask on and, you know, and, and he's just walking around with this Freddie mask and his glove. Like, I, I mean, he was such an integral part of the eighties that, it would be a disservice if we did this type of film and cut it off at like 80 minutes. I wouldn't do 80 minutes, but I think you could easily get the story done in 90 because it gets redundant. That's the thing. My problem is that like Adam said, it's four kills in the whole movie. And like I said, and I will insist two of those are off screen. And so, and they're also in a field, like, come on, how plebeian I'm not dying in a field, bitch. That's not happening. I'm dying in, in the four seasons landscaping, but I'll move on. <laughs> But my point being is like the ping ponging back and forth. It's just set dressing. Like what, like what happens? Okay. So she finds out that Freddie or some kind of entity that's embodying Freddie is coming to life and killing people. And she protects her son. That's really it. 
So going here and there and like her husband leaving and her husband coming back, like these are just things to create length to me as opposed to like the essence of the story. I mean, shit, with how simple it is, like imagine the Babadook compared to this. You don't need the extra superfluous stuff. Yeah, no. Okay. So I, I get I get you on that one. I do. Like, I understand. I just, I don't know. I just really like this film, save for, for the shitty CGI at the end or whatever. <laughs> or the shitty CGI when it comes to the car seat. I was like, oh my God, that looks oh, yeah, so much so. worse than I remembered it. That was so 90s, though. Like, everything in the 90s looked like that. It was a very Wes Craven bad CGI. Like, Wishmaster had that <laughs> same feel with the crappy CGI. <laughs> it's like he has the same crappy CGI company for all of them. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, well, I mean, again, it was the time, right? When was Wishmaster? That was, was that the 90s? That was the 90s. Was that 98, maybe? Late, That's what I'm going to have to look up. Well, and, and maybe, I, I, uh, whatever. I don't know. We need to get off of this. Let's move on. To <laughs> it was actually 97. Not that I knew oh, and I didn't I have to Google it. Uh, uh, I wanted okay. to point on the music because I think the music, it might be one of the reasons why it feels so long. Because the music does not fit this movie at all. For frame of reference, J. Peter Robinson is the guy who did the music for Wayne's World, Detroit Rock City, Rumble in the Bronx, The Wizard. And Blind Fury. If you've never seen Blind Fury, treat yourself. But one credit he does have in the horror community, aside from a couple of episodes of Tales from the Crypt, he did Bates Motel. And no, not the modern Bates Motel, the 1987 Bates Motel, where a guy who was institutionalized with Norman Bates inherits the hotel. It is not worth watching. It is just worth imagining. So there is your thought thesis and just go off on it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, that didn't I, need to exist. Yeah, the music sucks. And even like the ending when whatever song popped up at the end. Like, oh my God. It's like all produced on a 90s Casio keyboard. Like those <laughs> oh, yeah. sounds are so just stereotypically early 90s. And there's like that, the like Seinfeld bass. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. The music sucks. I get, I'll give you that. There was one thing that I had never fully realized with seeing it before, but this time I can't unsee it now. Set dressing was really boring. Like it didn't really change that much when like, I, I mean, in the original series, you got the landscape would change with the dreams. Like, you know, you were in the dream kind of thing. Yeah. Sure. I've noticed they've done little subtle red and greens here and there, but did you notice that like half of this movie is filmed with the most subtle green filter with so many red items just placed here and there? It just start watching like next time you watch it, just start looking for red and green and you just start seeing all these patterns. It's unbelievable. Like Freddy's sweater. Yeah. Exactly. Like, but you know, in the remake, how they had it like, like green and red lights in the diner in the beginning, it wasn't like that apparent. Once it clicked in my head, I couldn't unsee it. And I was just like, oh man, there, there, there. It was, it was interesting. Okay. Yeah. I didn't notice that. <laughs> it gave me a lot more respect for the uh, like set design and cinematography. Okay. Because it does look a little bland and static for a lot of it. I mean, that's one of the things. There's not a whole lot of immersion in dream because it's like a waking dream because there's like an extra step of removal, right? So you have the cinema, the cinema dreams, real dreams, real life. And because there's like so many delineations, I think that doing a little bit more overt and less subtlety, I think, would do this movie justice because I think that 
the real life stuff when she's starting to lose her mind and whatnot. It just becomes a little bit like, okay, like I've seen this, like, you know, I saw Hellraiser, like I've seen, you know, like you see the movie where it's like, ah, I'm not crazy. Don't nurse, leave me alone, nurse. And it's like, okay, you're not Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Move on. <laughs> so shall we touch on the cast for this movie? Yes, yes, let's do that. So first and foremost, we got Wes Craven playing Wes Craven. What better way to celebrate his return to the franchise than making him a character in the movie? And naming it after himself. Yeah. Just, you know. Wes Craven's new nightmare. Self-indulgence. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we touched on this in the Wes Craven biography about a thousand years ago. But Wes never even wanted sequels. He had shopped this movie around for three years and he had to take loans and he was in dire straits and he wanted to sell this movie. And so New Line Cinema, when they bought it, they bought the rights to the character as well. So Wes never got a fucking thing that he didn't work on. So by this, you talked about six movies and he got paid for one movie. So there was some bitterness there. You had Bob Shea, like I said, changing the ending of the first one. They completely ignored his notes for the second one, which is one of the reasons why it's so reviled today, though it has more of a cult following for the LGBTQ. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. He had wrote a treatment and, and script for Dream Warriors, which is almost completely gutted. They didn't use his time travel idea. And so the whole movie comes out because Bob Shea, which is kind of funny because Bob Shea does this in the movie as well, like reaching out and just making sure everybody's cool. And so he gave him retroactive money. He gave him some of the merchandising money and was like, basically like, hey, now that we're cool, you want to make a movie together? Is that like the weirdest thing that's ever happened? He got paid. Yeah, at least he finally got paid. I feel like so many people are that get screwed out of uh, royalties for other movies. Um, And I actually rewatched the segment from Never Sleep Again today and Nightmare. And just listening to Wes tell the story, like just shaking his head, like... (laughs) <laughs> I just could tell like even he's still kind of bitter he was still I think he was still bitter about the whole thing but I mean he, if you're gonna end this you have to end it with Wes Craven you can't just say oh Freddie's dead like that Freddie's dead the shitty one and then bring it back and then not have Wes have any part of it and god damn it I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that Wes Craven was originally going to be a caricature of Wes Craven which I love and I hate at the same time because obviously this movie needs to be rooted in reality. Otherwise, you, the you know tangential and, and you know, hyperbole of Freddy becomes lost. But I really love this idea that he had that he was going to be living in a van driven by Mike Berryman from The Hills Have Eyes. The fact that that didn't happen disgusts me. My God, that would have been everything the film needed. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, instead of just seeing a script and her reading it to the kid at the end, how about this? How about we see Wes like looking at her house and like nodding, putting his hands into his sweater pockets and just getting into a van. And Mike Berryman's like, where to next, boss? And he's like, wherever the wind takes us. And it's just them going off. <laughs> to, mur- to commit more murder via script. I'm into it, personally. That's the buddy comedy everyone needs. <laughs> and there was also another like hyperbolic idea that he was going to cut his own fucking eyelids off to stay awake. But he's like, I can't act that well, so I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I did see that again in the in the new night or the Never Sleep Again document. Did you guys watch that? By the way? Oh, I bought that on Blu-ray the second it came out. Yeah, it was one of the best documentaries out there. It's too long for you, Jake. It's like four hours, right? I, know. But I actually like the the Friday Thirteenth one a little bit better, but I I do like this one for what it is. <laughs> 
Well, because it's, uh, it's also one? important to analyze the fact that you go from a relatively straight character. I mean, I'll tell you this. One of the reasons I never liked Freddy is kind of because of like Jack Sparrow, if you will. In the first Pirates, Jack Sparrow is a pirate and then he's a clown. And in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, he's a scary demon guy. And in the next one, you're like rooting for him and he's plucky and he's funny. And it's just like, it's like, okay, but I like the more visceral element. And so not that it's a like treachery to the original or anything like that. It's just not really my thing. And so the documentary helped me like him a bit more because, you know, you root for the process and you see how these things happen. And it doesn't seem as lurid a cash grab and just like, oh, we're going to monopolize his waka waka. Oh, yeah. But like one of the beautiful things about the Nightmare on Elm Street, the entire franchise is that you're living in this like fantasy reality. Right. And so you can literally take this to the end and back and just do all kinds of crazy things with that. You know, we've seen you know the girl getting sucked into the TV. We've seen that bug chick in part four, which is one of my favorite scenes. And I just don't feel like you get that, you know, with Michael or with Jason the same way. The kills. The kills. Yeah. The kills in part three, I mean, are just impeccable and they're so iconic. I feel like, honestly, I feel Dream Warriors is the best entry in the series. I just love the kills so much. Uh, he's still dark to me. I feel the first three movies, he really kept that darkness. But when you hit Dream Master, yeah. that's when man, they went on and just uh, seriousness went out the window. Yeah, but by then, by then we already know Freddie. We know who he is and he does evolve. And the fact that when we were talking about this earlier, that he's... He speaks, right? He's an icon. He is, and I still feel like there are dark parts of him in a lot of the films that are still can still be a little scary. For instance, in Part Five, which is like everybody hates Part Five, The Dream Child. I still love it. I don't know why, but like when he's like force feeding the girl in the refrigerator, that part. I'm- that's that's intense. And when she's like flailing yeah. out of it and stuff, yeah, that's that. I remember seeing that on the back of the cassette at a Woolworth <laughs> and just seeing her face bloated with all that stuff coming out. And I was like, I was like, if I watched this, I was going to die. That's like, that's how I felt. They, they have their moments. They've gotten cheesy, but they've kept their intense moments, but they're far and few between. Yeah. Freddie's not anybody who I would avoid. And I'd still count the films and the franchise, even like in its worst installment, better than a lot of other stuff. It's just if I'm going to you know, have the choice of the top three, he's probably third choice, depending on the movie. But Michael Myers, I think, would probably fall behind. But like Jason, you could say the same thing about the direction of those films. Like by the time you get to my favorite installment, Jason Lives, that's just because it went fucking crazy. And maybe that's why I, like this movie, like I feel like it's so long because it's just like. It's such a crazy fun concept that's just ended up being like a little bit flat. But I like I've said all this and I've said it's too long, but it definitely is worth an hour and 52 minutes. Or if you want to be a savage like me, watch it at like 1.1 speed. You'll never notice the difference. and You'll see like 13 minutes of your life. Like it's perfect. I think this movie didn't have the fun and it didn't have the darkness. It had its own thing. That's a fair point. Yeah. You know, it was the meta factor and what it tried to do psychologically, I feel made up for it, but it just, it feels like the bastard child of the the franchise. Yeah. Because of that, it's just so unlike the other siblings. Uh, But I mean, there's still so much to appreciate. Well, here's a good comparison. So if you watch Jason lives, that's only six minutes shorter than this film. That feels like it's about a half hour shorter. 
Oh, hands down, completely. I had no idea. And also, I think one of the reasons why I get so frustrated with this movie is I want more of Robert England. I want more of him as an actor, and I want more of him as Freddy Krueger. And I get there's obviously he has the biggest budget when it comes to him being on screen because Voorhees and Mike, you just put a fucking mask on him and have him hulk around. This dude needs to sit in a makeup chair for 12 hours and get to work. What do we think? So Robert England playing himself and Freddy and technically the entity. I think he's great um, in this. I Well, to say better than great, I think that he does a really, he's a, he's a great, I, oh, I hate that I use great. I'm sorry. He's Let me juxtapose you're great with. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, no, I think that Robert England is such, uh, uh, he's a very multifaceted actor. And like most people just want to associate him with Freddie, but yep. he does so many things. He's been in so many films. He's played so many different characters. And he's just a really good, I guess, character actor. And I feel that with this one, he gets to, to play, you know, different things. And I really think that we get to see all of the things that Robert England can actually do, not just being, you know, whatever, killing teenagers in their dreams, but he's actually playing himself. And then he's also playing like himself, like in this trance, especially when he's painting in the room and yep. he's talking to Heather and he's, you know, he, you see like that it's not just affecting Heather, but that Freddie's affecting all of them, but we're just focused on Heather. Right. But Freddie's like infiltrating Wes. He's infiltrating Robert. He's infiltrating even John Saxon because remember at the end, yeah. he comes back as, uh, as, as her dad, as yeah. the sheriff, as daddy. But we're obviously we're focused on Heather because I, I think obviously because we were focused on Nancy and part one. And again, this movie just comes around like, you know, back, or if you know if you want to use juxtaposition for this or whatever you want to talk about what goes around comes around that's what's happening with this film and while you hate the runtime and maybe this is not the strongest installment for some people robert england says that this is his favorite one so my biggest complaint with it though is he deserved proper makeup Um, i hard disagree there my friend (laughs) Really? I, I love the makeup in this movie. Oh my god! <laughs> I felt this was the cheapest looking makeup they've ever done. And I'm I don't care. Say what you will about part two. That was the scariest he's ever looked. And they're talking about him coming back as this darker, scarier Freddy. And he just he, his outfit is so clean. My wife even said, like, we were watching, she's like, wow, he just doesn't look like Freddy. He does like, where's the wetness to it all? Like, he just, it looked like a Halloween mask to me. It really didn't do him justice in my, in my mind. Because he's not burned. Like, he's not that guy. That's the thing is, like, this entity is not Freddy. It's adorned itself in the vestiges of Freddy. So, it, yes. to me, it does a good job of delineating this is its own internal savagery because it's bioorganic, if you will. And I don't know. Like, I actually quite like that distinction because it's clearly Freddy influenced, but not Freddy. So it's within and without. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's your opinion on the makeup. I feel differently. But the one thing, his outfit, way too clean. Way too clean. I don't know. I kind of like the trench coat mafia look. That's just me. (laughs) But no, no, it was just clean. Like, not a fray on anything. It's like they gave him a new sweater every time they cut the camera. It's like he was tromping through the water and stuff at the end. He's just dry because it's a cosmic entity that's never worn a fucking sweater brah he's not fair i get it i get it (laughs) almost a pennywise element but i don't know it just 
But they don't lean enough into the Pennywise element. And that I will definitely give you because I saw a lot of comparisons to Pennywise. We'll get into it later, but I have a whole rant that I want to do about comparing him to Phantoms because I think it's way more of an apt description. What I will say, I completely agree with Adrian. In fact, I'll take it one step further. I don't care that Heather's in this movie. I don't care that her fake husband, who's a representation of her real husband. I don't care that the little kid who gets run over by a car and almost gets run over by a car again. I don't care that any of them are in this movie. The movie I wanted is the way I want this fucking guy. What I wanted this movie to be, and it's probably unfair. I want to see Robert England going fucking crazy and being like, I'm not a serial killer at all. And like devolving into madness. And it's Robert England versus Freddie. That's what I wanted. I never got it. A million times, yes. That would have been so much better. Have have Nancy and John Saxon be like the side characters. Because aside from John Saxon, there is no question, like, Robert England is the best actor in this movie. Yes. Hands down. And it's really frustrating that he gets a few scenes where it's like, because, you know, at the funeral, he's like kind of menacingly sweet where he's like, oh, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. But she's suspicious of him. So it's not his acting. It's the circumstances. It's sort of dramatic swell in music. So the really the only scene you get of him, you get the silly one at the, the talk show and then him painting. And the painting scene is good enough to where I was like, I just want that let's blow that up let's have that whole you know suspicion into madness and then adrian do you want to talk about what almost happened where they explained what happened to him instead of it just being like i'm on a sabbatical vacation goodbye um what do you mean as far as like who freddie or return of the fly the what did i write that down uh i did okay so originally what was going to happen is they were going to have a whole dream sequence where robert england himself in an, an homage to Vincent Price's The Fly was going ah. to be in a web with a entity as Freddy as a spider. And if that was the case, then I definitely see the comparisons to it more. But I think I'm still gonna stand by my phantom. But they took it out and they never even filmed it. And it pisses me off because I want that. Give us all of that. That's what it's about. Give us all of that. Why did you leave it out? Well, again, I, I really think that people are playing off it. It's the 10th anniversary, right? So I, and I can't believe it feels like it's been a lot longer since the first one to this one. Yeah. In my opinion. Which I think is great that they would have had like Freddie coming out as the spider. That would actually be like a really good image, a really great way to show, you know, some practical effects with that. And Robert England would have done well with that. Problem is, is that what did... Wes, I feel like, was doing things that he thought that everyone that that loved part one, right, who didn't give a fuck about anything that came after one, what would they want to see with this one? Since it was literally the last one besides Freddy versus Jason, we don't have another Robert England, Freddy Krueger, right? Yep. We have What's-His-Face is the the remake. How the fuck do you not, like, I'm sorry, Rorschach, calm the fuck down. (laughs) How did we not just put Robert England in that? Because he could just wear a mask and have a stunt double. I don't understand it at all. Like, he could just be Freddy Incorporated for the next 50 years. He doesn't want to do it. Okay. Um, I'm sure his bank account wants him to do it. I mean, he and the thing is, if you read his book, he always goes back and forth with like, ah, Fuck that. But then he's like, oh, if they're going to pay me, I'm going to go do it. Yep. Like, literally, everything he says, that's how it, that's how he prefaces it with. I just don't want to do it anymore. Because I think the, the problem is, is the Freddy makeup was so painful and just so excruciating, took so long, and it took a lot out of him. Yeah. And so for him, him at his age now, how old is he now? He's like... Pushing 70, I I'd say. He's Viagra age. That's all I know. <laughs> 
I can't imagine him wanting to sit through that. And honestly, he even says in some interview, and I can't remember where I read this or maybe if I read it in the book, but he even says that he was happy to like release the reins to Freddie to somebody else. And honestly, I feel like Jackie, I always forget his full name. I always remember his first name. I don't know why. I like him as an actor. I think he's good. I, I don't mind them trying to like find another Freddie. Like to me, he did okay. I, I don't I don't want to vilify that movie the way everyone else does. Yeah. It, I didn't hate it. It was in the wrong hands. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Because honestly, I think that it, it's less of a bastardization than some of the sequels with England, if I'm honest, as far as the character goes. So let's talk about Miko Hughes, the little kid who gets yeah. who gets squishified in Pet Cemetery. Oh, Gage. Um, he's kind of annoying, I will say. In this movie. <laughs> yes. He's fucking annoying. I kind of wanted him to get squished again because... Gage, like you really felt badly that Gage died. Like if this kid died, I was like, whatever. He's so fucking just like his little blank stare. I don't know if it was him being creepy because it is kind of creepy. It's like bordering on creepy, like annoying ass little kid. I just can't stand in a film. Yeah. I don't know how you guys. It's it's not quite Children of the Corn. It's not quite Reagan. It's not quite you know. It's just this kind of like weird like because at one point he's very vivacious and then he's also in a trance and then he's vivacious in a trance and it's like well you can't you no you can't. Do both. You have to be either cat. Uh, I don't like it. I uh, like him well, as a kid, but I don't like him in this movie. Like I'd rather watch him in Kindergarten Cop than this movie. Yeah, like I like him a lot. Like he he's good at playing like a shitty ass kid, right? He's always yeah. playing like a little jerk. And he um as, as an adult It's not the, the Duma. <laughs> as an adult when he's talking on the on uh, the, the the documentary, he was saying that, you know, he doesn't feel like he was exploited as a kid, like kids play make believe anyways. But there was one thing I think Wes Craven was saying that his parents, like they needed him to cry for something and he wouldn't cry. So like his parents were like, well, we're going to tell you what to do to make him cry, but you're not going to like it. And yeah, didn't they say like one of his mother died in a car accident? His mother died. And of course he starts freaking out, crying and screaming. <laughs> and then they like took him out for ice cream after that. I'm like, Oh, oh my hot God. dog. The ice cream is certainly <laughs> going to Hollywood. But you know, that was the 90s, right? Like 80s and 90s parents were like, so whatever. Yeah, look at Macaulay Culkin's parents, for example. <laughs> oh, no. And then we also have Lynn Shea coming back to the franchise. She was a nurse in the first one, a nurse of this one. That, that, she was that's... not a nurse in the first she one. She was a teacher. Oh. She was, she was an English teacher because they were reading Shakespeare. So. Oh, you even put it in the notes, suck it, suck lol. It. <laughs> wow. I love you guys. I, I just, didn't know who wrote that, but I was like, oh no. Yeah. Well, I remembered it wrong because I was too busy watching Friday the 13th part six again. <laughs> anyway, so she comes back, blah, blah. Is she an actress? Is she a human? It makes more questions, but I like the fact she's in it. So, Aid, I see that. Uh, amidst your slanderous and lecherous words against me, there are also plenty of talking points that you have highlighted. So why don't you just walk us through what you're going to walk a walk us through? Okay. Well, so the reason I love this film, and I'm just going to read off my notes because I wrote this like, what, two weeks ago. So I, I know what I wanted to say at the time. But for me, this one's interesting because it is a commentary, I feel like, about how the media and consumerism and technology are slowly taking over America, like especially in the 80s. Because that's who Freddie was. Like, Freddie was this huge icon in the 80s. And I feel like he would have engrossed their lives at some point, especially with Heather Langenkamp, because she did have a real, have a real stalker. 
And for those of you who want to know why I keep pausing is Jake is talking shit to me on our, our shared notes. Document. <laughs> Do you want to read so, it? Uh, buddy, buddy, butthole, schmoop, poop, poop, blah, 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 blah. Okay. <laughs> you got That's the you got the Flemmy blech. I'm really proud of. <laughs> it was clearly a Yiddish guafla blech. Uh, well, you know, I have to be able to do the the Yiddish in this household. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. so people are obsessed with Freddie back then, and more so obsessed than Jason. If we're gonna just really talk about this, in my opinion, I feel oh, like Freddie is more uh, because. Jason is scary, but Freddie is more just his visceral look. I feel is more like sticks in your mind, especially when you're a little kid. And he's a character. He's a See, were they making as much Jason merch for kids though? I mean, there were the literal Freddy Krueger dolls and lunch boxes. I mean, did Friday the 13th have that going for it? They had a lot of hockey mask merch and stuff, uh, but it wasn't as because that's one of the things that's difficult to mar- merchandise to a child. So you, uh, what is it? Knife hand Joe. They had a bunch of like parody merchandise and stuff. And they actually had, there was a play set where it was like a GI Joe type character and you would dress him up in FX makeup and stuff. And one of the things was Freddie, but that's one of the things that's easier with Freddie is because he has a character. You know, I feel My like, friend had that. yeah, when you're a kid, you look at that character and you can go, Oh, I can follow along with this. I, I know the character. I mean, whether it's Kane Hodder behind the mask or it's my butthole, like a lot of people aren't going to know <laughs> unless you're obsessed with it. Right. And, and it's not to slight Kane, obviously. But my point is, like, I think that that's one of the things that frustrates me is this should be the Freddy Krueger movie. It should not be the Heather Langenkamp movie in my eyes. Exactly. Because like, why not get like because by default in this movie, you get three representations. But it really feels like one and a half representations because you should get a fully fleshed Robert. You should get a fully fleshed entity. That's one of the things. By the time the end happens, you're like, okay. Why is it coming to her through Dylan? Why It, it should have been coming through Robert, if anything. I 100%. Mean, exactly. Well, Wes even said, though, that he was he was playing with ideas, but he knew in real life that Heather had uh, an obsessed fan that was upset because the franchise was over. And this person was literally like giving her hell. And so she even like, went to London and lived there for a little while just to get away from this this person. And so, that was the TV show, Just the Ten of Us, not Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street. Yeah, well, wasn't like three of the girls on that show were in different Nightmare films, right? So Yeah, but the person, the reason that the obsession started was that, but imagine this scenario. Wow. Imagine okay. Robert is sitting there being the shoulder to cry on, being the, the, cons- the consolative friend and he doesn't even know in his subconscious mind he's the one making the phone calls. Boom. Exactly. Give me that. I mean, it, there was even parts where they were trying to sow those seeds. Like at, at the talk show, they were what? asking Heather, like, would you feel safe with Robert watching your children? Right. It's like, why are you trying to paint him like a pedophile? That's a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we don't even know if that was part of that was even like reality i feel like there's a lot of blurred lines with what's really happening and then and that's why i kind of found that those scenes with the green filter like so interesting i almost felt like this is more supposed to be in a dream in this scene like you almost felt more of freddie's presence like that's what i was noticing with that well you know i mean there's a lot of i don't know i just i I get what I, i i get what you're saying i see what you're saying it um but we're wrong I, I don't know. I just. No, <laughs> Are you going to goon explain it to us now? No, I'm oh. not going to goon anything to you. Please. Oh my God. How I'm about sitting this? 
room full of men talking at me. How do you think I feel? Here's the scenario. (laughs) Heather comes home and she finds Robert England reading Hansel and Gretel to the kid. Not John Saxon. That is so dark. But yes. it doesn't happen. Yes. So this is like a movie, like I said, like it's if it's short, you're like, okay, cool, I can accept this and I'm not gonna dissect it. But as I'm sitting there watching her cross a freeway that I don't give a fuck about because Bowfinger did that scene better, I don't give a shit. And I'm like, oh, my brain is wandering to what this movie could have been. And that's what the frustration is because there is the idea is good enough that it could have been done in a different way. This is a great rough draft. Exactly. And it's interesting you say that too, because I was listening to another podcast about Scream 3. And even though like Wes came back, I think to direct it, he didn't write it. Somebody named Kruger wrote it. Oddly enough, right? (laughs) Right? The same shit with part three. Like the same things that you guys are saying about this one. Like, isn't that weird? It's almost like it's like, intercepted reality once again and just kind of followed him into another sequel that he just kind of did because he felt like doing but it wasn't really something he really wanted to do and i kind of feel like this was the same in the same i don't know well especially when you hear Wes talk about this film after the fact it's kind of got this like yeah like i did that there's not a passion he didn't feel like he needed to wrap a bow on the franchise it's basically like well money's cool yeah yeah. I feel like this was meta practice for him. Like, because when Scream came out, that kind of brought the whole meta thing in. I think this was just the start towards a new kind of genre. How funny you say that, Adam, because that's exactly what Robert England says in his book. I feel like I'm like advertising all of these things. But he even says something about that he believes that New Nightmare had laid the groundwork and contributed to the hugely successful Scream series. And audiences were drawn to people like themselves being depicted in these films. And it goes on to say that Wes was the first to acknowledge this audience. And New Nightmare was the first film to exploit the fact that characters were young, hip to pop culture and horror movies and so on and so forth. So he feels like he's the first person to like drive that home. uh This is Robert. At West. I completely see it. Yeah, because I don't think you have any incentive to like oh, look yeah. behind the curtain until you have that kind of character and the you know you, the rooting for the character because he kind of transcends. In the first one, he's a child molesting rapist murderer dude. But by the third one, we're like, fuck yeah, dude, you better kill that. You know, like he is charismatic <laughs> enough and he carries it, he does a good job to where he like created a generation of horror fans to a certain extent. And so he kind of creates like the smart mark of horror for a lot of us because we our generation with Fangoria magazine and forums and stuff that started to develop. We're way smarter and more sophisticated. No offense to like the Universal Monsters crowd because you couldn't even replay those. You had to go down to the old theater house and give them a nickel. Whereas us, it's like, oh, I have it on VHS. I'm going to replay and freeze frame and look and dissect this stuff. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and that's where I think Wes is so good at you know developing these types of films because we know they're a little meta. We know that they're self-aware, especially with Scream. Once we get to Scream, I really feel like he's honed in on it. And, you know, Scream is amazing. We love Scream. Yeah. They, they, they go a little crazy after part one. Everyone seems to enjoy part two nowadays. Timothy Ellison. Yeah. <laughs> One and two are great. Three sucks. Four sucks. I just want to see what they do with five cream. I don't. Anyway, I'm stealing the show. God damn it. I I have a theory. This whole idea of this ancient entity, whatever. Freddy is this ancient thing for 10 years. He's been held captive pretty much as Freddy. Blah, 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 blah. You're not an archaeologist. 
The ancient entity doesn't have a name. It's really difficult. It's very convoluted. It reminds me of in Phantoms, Phantoms, the entity in that, this extraterrestrial ancient evil thing, learns of what Satan is. And it's like, okay, well, then clearly I'm Satan. And so I like the idea that like this cosmic entity is so like boundless in its power that it has to like simplify itself in its own understanding. And that's like you could have extrapolated on this and basically had Freddy be like the god of nightmare or something. But instead, it's just like, ah, it's this weird thing that ends up looking like a hand puppet with horns. Yeah, that sucks. That was so bad. Dude. Oh, my God. Oh, the worst. I've oh. seen finger you know, puppets that look better than that, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, back to the whole uh, cosmic spider thing and that, like, Robert England never got to do that in this movie, or they never made the Freddy spider in it. Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace, the Simpsons spoof. Willie oh, does turn yeah. into a giant bagpipe spider. There you go. Wow. Ooh. Holy shit. They must have IMDb'd that a long time ago. <laughs> like, that just hit me. It's like, oh my God. That's Was that a throwback? Was that like deep dive for nerds right there? That's like my favorite Treehouse of Horror, too. So hilarious. Hands down, the best one. Yeah. yeah. So then we'll go to my fan theory. Everybody strap in your butts because my theory is there is no ancient entity and this is all a ploy from the studio to pull a Bowfinger style heist and trick her into being a movie because the whole movie plays like it's a con to get her to be in the movie. If you think of it from the perspective of the studio, the whole thing is just a ruse. She's never institutionalized. It's all these fake scenarios, which is why Lin Shay coming back makes sense because she's an actress and it's this whole thing. And that is the movie is literally just she says, no, I don't want to do the movie. And they're like, oh, yeah, fuck you. You're doing the movie. And then they dose her with LSD. Yes. In a mist or a vapor form. We, we, and we, <laughs> well, it's not her husband. They just kill some guy off screen. What they do is they tell her like that little kid. Hey, your husband's dead. React on screen. Oh, okay. That's why she the just, husband and son didn't play themselves because they weren't actually in jeopardy. They just told her on while she was under the influence of some narcotic that they were. And then they show her the rough cut of the film. And then she goes, OK, I'll shoot the intro for you for a million dollars. Okay. Acid just ate her brain, man. She didn't even have a husband. There was no Dylan. Oh, shit. She's like SLC punk. <laughs> She's played by Devin Sawa. I would watch the fuck out yes. of that movie, bro. Give me that now. Especially if he has a scene like in The Fan or whatever the hell the Fred Durst movie is where he's like listening to Limp Biscuit and he's like, yeah, my kid's crazy and obsessed with Hansel and Gretel. Uh, Ball with the nookie. Come on, the nookie. I don't I panicked that I didn't have another song prepared. <laughs> That'll do, Jake. That'll do. I have no idea. I share a birthday with that fuck, which it hurts my soul, but I also share a birthday with HP Lovecraft. So there we go. There you go. Did you catch the credits for the film? At the end, it says some parts of this motion picture were inspired by actual events. Others may be attributed to the overactive imagination of a five-year-old boy. Duh, duh, duh. Yes, I uh, saw your screenshot there. I thought that was cute. I wonder if Wes Craven is thinking that he's the five-year-old boy in this scenario because clearly the entity and Freddy are not the constructs of Dylan. So... I don't get that. I'm saying it's Wes just because uh, the whole inspiration for Freddie was when he was a kid, looked out the window, saw that guy walking down the street. I think that 
line is definitely pertaining to him. It was Wes. Even Robert even says in his book that Wes Craven uh, is like a mind of a 14-year-old. So, I mean, five-year-old's not a huge stretch, right? So... I really yeah, want yeah. you to do like a biblical style sermon reading from the good book of Robert England. I think that would be awesome. As it says on page 43, subsection F. I know. This is so sad. He even like wrote me a little blurb in the front. And I'm just going to tell everybody, I already showed you guys, but it says, for Adrian, a true cut above the rest. Anyway, back to the movie. So on the topic of books of Robert England and literature, you can actually find the script for this film at scriptslug.com. It's basically the same. But if you ever want to do like a dry read or you want us to do a dry read and you want to throw us handfuls of cash, I could play any character. I'll play Dylan. I will do whatever you want and need for money because I'm a whore. I will be playing the role of Rex. (laughs) Did you know they actually sold replica Rexes for a while? Oh, jealous. I want one. So there's also a novelization and you can hear an audiobook version of it on YouTube that actually has an intro by David Bergantino, the author of said adaptation. Okay. Now, question. These other scripts or ideas like the spider Freddy and stuff like that. Were those scripts ever made available? Generally not. I have not seen one. I actually that stuff that I got was actually from Wes's own mouth where he described it in my notes. It's actually a quote from him. That's what I was wondering, because I know uh, like with the Halloween series, there's like five different scripts for like all these different versions of part four. I wasn't sure if it was like that. and It was out there and we could like check this out. Yeah, I always wish that I could get working scripts, but I very rarely find them. And then if you do find them, there's always a question as to their substantiality. Like you really want some authentication right and i feel like very often it's just like you get into the like fake news fandom fanfic stuff where it's like i could write a version of this movie and put it out and say oh that was wes's original work and then wes is certainly a he's not going to come back from the dead to argue against me and then b a lot of times you don't have anybody like fact checking these people so there's a lot of misinformation when it comes to that now did you know that freddie was originally supposed to be a brony a br- a, I thought you said a brownie, not a brony, and I was very worried. But now that it's a brony, I, have I told the story on the show about how I accidentally ended up in a Destiny brony clan? No, but I've got a brony story as well. Okay, I'll start. <laughs> I will go you. So apparently, with Destiny on Xbox, for some reason, I had to like join a clan, but I had to like log into a computer, and I was really annoyed by that. So I just clicked the first one. And so I'm playing the game for like 20 minutes with this dude. And it's like, yeah, this is fun. This guy is cool. All right. I'm enjoying this. this game's way better with other people. And the guy's like, so when did you know you were a brony? And I was like, uh, what? And I don't know that I've ever played the game again. That was awkward. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. I don't mean to kink shame, but I'm not about a sh- like a fetish where the producers of a show are like, hey, we made this character after a dead little girl to honor her please don't make porn of her and they're like oh i'm gonna make twice as much porn of her oh the porn adrian looks aghast have you heard of rule 34 i don't even know what the hell you guys are talking about right now i'm just gonna sit here quietly because i know yeah these are men who are obsessed with my little pony and they uh as doug would say wax the carrot like like on um uh bob's burgers okay right yeah yeah yeah. question us same thing okay okay i know what that is yeah Sorry. So my story is right here. I'm showing you guys. I actually have a My Little Pony tattoo on the front of my left bicep. I got it when my band played a tattoo convention. 
my now tattoo artist, I was doing convention deals and just wanted to do a tattoo on somebody. And it happened to be the My Little Pony. My drummer is bitch of a wife was trying to get it and i wanted to spite her so i went that hard and got the my little pony tattoo wow and fast forward like th- fast forward like four years later i was down in maryland for uh my sister-in-law's wedding and we were in a convenience store picking up just some energy drinks and stuff for after the wedding and i get up to the counter and the clerk just asks oh is the is the convention back in town and i'm like oh she's like you're not a brownie. I'm like, what? <laughs> she saw my tattoo and just immediately assumed. So, well, did you have the ponytail at the time? <laughs> oh, that adds a whole uh, different no, layer. <laughs> I did not. I did not. You're just a brony looking for a broner. Am I right? <laughs> Is that the nomenclature that we use? Oh God. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. So what I would like to do as we wind down is I want to hear what you would do in your ideal sequel to A Nightmare on Elm Street. And you can bastardize all the sequels. You can incorporate all the sequels. What would you like? And you can make this as fan servicey as you want. And bear in mind, listeners, I'm completely blindsiding my co-hosts with this. All right. I'll just go first because I'm a girl and I can. And I'm, I'm betting you've thought about this just a little bit, right? Like wouldn't wouldn't like it be great if we had like a girl like a like a female like a half naked like burnt woman Freddy to like come in and just like while like Freddy's on vacation and then I don't know something like that. Oh, I, I really love the idea that it's just like a job and he like punches out and he's like, all right, I'm off for the weekend and like <laughs> Sheila comes in and she's like, all right, give me that sweater and the glove. I gotta get to got time to make the fucking donuts. Oh, that would be so fun. So something like something along the lines of that. Obviously, Robert would still be like in corporate. Robert could be like in drag and do it. I really like that awkward boner. Oh, okay. So there's mine. See, I I don't have a premise to the story, but what I've always wanted to see is like them hand the series over to Clive Barker. I would love to see this the source material handled through his view his point of view his lens oh yeah i always thought would be really cool just like a new level of darkness because i mean hellraiser not as popular as nightmare on elm street but the the darkness of those those movies i would have loved i i just would have loved to see the darkness carried over into that franchise yeah i would have loved to just see it just get that much more visceral that clive barker always did like oh just the man knows how to make a bloody good film. Yeah, and they are very analogous in a lot of ways when it comes to the structure, of, like the lens of this kind of girl. They even look similar. They end up institutionalized. Everybody thinks they're crazy. And if, if this one going, like striking home, like it does in Hellraiser. So I think that's awesome. Mine, uh, I, I touched on it in the New Batch episode. You know, like I've talked about, there's a lot of pride when it comes to VHS horror fans, but there's not a whole lot of pride when it comes to like horror basic cable fans. And that's what I was. And so I always thought it would be fun, especially because, you know, the welcome to primetime bitch, like the idea of Freddie with the TV and even this one, the TV. I've always thought it would be fun if he like went through a cable network. And so each person basically got killed in a different channel. Uh, so you'd have like the guy who gets like he falls asleep while watching a Western and he gets killed in a Western. Then you have the guy who like falls asleep watching ER and he gets you know vivisected. Like I always thought that would be fun. It's not a great idea, but it's just something I think would be fun for an entire movie because you could do like little vignettes 
but have it all tied together. I really like that. Yeah, I do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the strongest one, I would say. But you've had time to think about this. It's not fair. I I literally just pulled out of my ass right now. So because <laughs> I, I sat and thought about it because I, like, I think like, what am I like? What do I want? Like, what do I feel like is lacking? And so it's like Adam already took the visceral. And so that's like literally I was going to say I want a severe version and I would have made parable or analogy or what have you to Clive Barker. Because like I said, I've always thought these movies were very you know synonymous, but it was taken. So I was like, oh, fuck, I panicked. And then I just went the exact opposite way and went, oh, let's make it as funny as it could possibly be. Like one kid falls asleep watching Muppet Babies and all of a sudden you have Freddy coming out and being like, waka, waka. I said waka waka like 50 <laughs> times this episode. I feel like I've definitely let my kids' TV consumption infiltrate my subconscious mind. Well, that's okay because I leave that on for Stella. So when I get home, I'm always watching the Muppet Babies. Ugh. So I know all of the shows. It's so sad. It's real good. Um, I know. It's so cute. They're so cute. <laughs> it really is very good. And if you know your Muppet like lore, it's actually very fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I feel like, but again, this is what we're talking about. The Freddy is so like, elastic or whatever he's just so um i'm just looking for words now uh instead of best as, or great yeah, so great instead of juxtapose <laughs> or yeah um i'm just i'm trying to think of like like freddie is so like he can encompass so many different things right because you're in a dream world eclectic so he's eclectic mm, he shapeshifts he's okay. he adapts to situations but yeah i think what I, I want is like what I was saying was missing from New Nightmare. It's either the darkness or the really like zaniness and over the top kills. Like, give me turned up to 11, you know, get zanier, get bigger with them, give them the budget. I'd love to see that too. And, and in my idea, while they're flipping the channels, uh, a guy ends up on a Sega Genesis and then Freddy's in a 2D fighter with the kid. You don't do a <gasps> whole movie like Hell World where the whole thing isn't a, a video game. But one kill is a video game. I like that idea. That's cute. I like that. That'd be fun. And, oh, yeah. here's an idea. Do it better I, than Freddy's dead. This is just an idea. <laughs> hat Dukin, and he throws his hat and it kills the kid. Or the claw Ryukin. <laughs> there we go. Claw. Oh, boy. There was like something that I wanted to touch on before we're done, but I just left me. So The war of attrition you've just given unto our inanity. <laughs> I was wondering how this was going to go because like you guys love to go back and forth on these things. I'm like, Oh, okay. Neat. (laughs) But this was like, uh, to be fair, everybody, this was Adrian's episode and we kind of like trounced her in it, but like, and and a full disclaimer, I do like this movie and I would pick this movie over quite a bit of other content, like on HBO max for sure. I'm like, all right, this is one of the better things that you could find. Well, it's just, you know, because of the pacing, I felt that my mind wandered a lot. It was very, if I wasn't watching the movie on my phone for my refresher, I would have been on my phone, if that makes sense. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's more like my simian brain has been damaged. Uh, So just as a disclaimer, I'm not trying to dishonor Adrian. I'm not trying to demean you or your preference in movies. I really do like the movie. I just think that it could have been totes narbra. Yeah, no, no, I... I I don't think that at all, but I did just remember it. I'm sorry, Adam, I cut you off, but I'll let you speak in just a moment. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but I know, Mr. President. I'm I have the conch. 
<laughs> I know. Where's the cock? Okay. But anyways, so, you know, there's only four kills and I didn't even notice that, right? Until I saw that you wrote that down. I was like, oh, fuck, there's no kills. And they did the same bullshit to Freddy and Freddy versus Jason. You know, he only like kills one person. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, like how are you going to give Freddy the shaft when he has the best kills? Like he, he has potentially has the best kills. A hundred percent, I will agree with that, and that's one thing that I think I like Freddy's kills a lot. If we're talking about just the kills, I think the Nightmare series beats the shit out of the Halloween series. I still like my uh, Friday, but that's you know that's my own preference. But like when you ask people, like, oh, what's your favorite kill from Jason Takes Manhattan? They, they'll mention the punch to that. Like, they'll get one. But there are movies where Freddy has, like, five great kills. You know, like, there are a lot. There's a lot of meat on the bone there. And that's one thing. Again, that's what frustrates me is because he could have done all this cool shit. Because the kills that you get, I mean, like, the first two kills are fucking amazing. And I feel ripped off that they're not real. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then the other ones just sort of mimics Tina's kill with the babysitter. Um, Tina's kill from the first one, yep. which I thought was cute. Because we don't see Freddy dragging Tina up the wall in part one, but now we see him dragging and how he did it with the babysitter and this one. So I liked what they did with that. But again, you're just sort of mimicking what we've already seen. So I agree. If it is going to be a dream, make it more severe when it happens in real life, make it more visceral. So when, when the special effects guys die, I want them to really die and I want to feel it instead of being like, Oh, uh, they died in a field. And the same thing with the, the babysitter, the blood is like garishly bright in it. Like, that's not what if you're trying to root this in the real world, make it this dark crimson smear and make me feel like she's been disemboweled and there's some bile in there. Not just like, whoa, look at me. I'm flying. I, I took Tinkerbell's <laughs> magic powder and I have happy thoughts. See, that's the thing. This movie just felt so clean. Yes. So clean. And that's why I keep griping about like his whole attire, too. And I know cosmic being cosmic spider i know but it's just the whole movie feels so clean but yeah Yeah. i think that's i i totally understand your argument in the sense that if we're gonna juxtapose to actual (laughs) freddy right he is not freddy but they don't do a good enough job of delineating it and that's why i think exploring robert england makes it way more interesting because you need that clear partition in this he is not freddy but he's so similar to freddy he still has some of the same mannerisms he's just slightly meaner it, it's mm-hmm. too much. Like, it, like, let's be honest. Jason X is more different than Jason than the entity is to Freddy, and they're two separate beings. And so that's one thing I'll definitely give you credence with. Like, they needed to do something much more severe to make sure that you knew. Yeah, the comparison is the thematic comparison, not a one-to-one comparison. Yeah, and mm. even Wes had said that he goes back and forth, like he regrets making that choice of that design sometimes, and then he would go back and say, "Okay, I do like it." So even he was on the fence with that. So I mean, it's just like the whole melted burn victim was just so much of his mythology. And I just, I felt like he was just more flayed than anything. And it just, it, it took away from it. It's like if they had him burned down to like protruding cheekbones and stuff like that, that would have nailed it out of the park for me. It, then I wouldn't have cared about say like how clean his sweater was. Like it was just too clean across the board i do agree with that but one of the reasons i kind of give it credit it's like the entity is like this formless shapeless kind of thing and so like it never had flesh to be flayed or burned so it's just it is a recreation almost like you know when you like it doesn't understand what it's trying to do when when we're talking about this 
one of my favorite villains of all time in the real Ghostbusters is the Boogeyman. And the Boogeyman is basically just the Joker, but he's just got a big head and hooves, right? And I, I in thinking about this, like, nope. how would you feel if it was basically just Freddy's fucking head with a hand and little tiny, like, creepy, like, appendages? <laughs> that would have been so creepy, like that, uh, that movie Possum. I've still yet to check that out, but have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. movie I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. great that poster, by the way. Amazing, right? Yeah. Like some sort of imagery like that would have gone light years for me. Like give it that twistedness. There was just nothing twisted about it, really. Give it like that Tim Burton shit where he's got really yeah. long arms and he's like weirdly skinny or some, something to it, make it like exactly. that's not human. Like the game Little Nightmares. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. The game? Like just there's creatures with just long reaching arms and little stubby legs. It's like it's it, it's weird, but it's it's it hits your mind. It really leaves an impact. And I think that would have done so much more for this movie. It would have made this movie a masterpiece. I feel like just take the clean just real world and then have this really disfigured thing yeah or courage the cowardly dog or nightmare net or something like that where it's just like there is a clear partition like you never question when courage is having a bad dream or ned's in the nightmare world it is a and then b and then this is just like i could totally see why you get frustrated because it's like ah it's the guy in the trench coat again it's just what the series is about to me well, I think that part of the reason, too, that it was an issue was because a lot of the times it was because the little boy was sleepwalking, right? So he's asleep. So we're we're seeing it the way we would see it if we were watching him. But these things are, like, happening in his dream world and, like, coming out, right? Like, for example, when the babysitter dies, like, she doesn't see Freddy, but he's there because the boy is dreaming. To add to that... In that scene, when you do see Freddy with her on the ceiling, like if they changed the look of the room in just the shots where you saw Freddy, that would have gone just so much further. 100%. The scene, right? Die hard, 100%. And what I mean by die hard, 100%, I want to see Freddy with no shoes, bleeding out his feet, with a gun <laughs> duct taped to his back. And he says, ho, ho, ho. Now I got an end to my Slashers podcast episode. Gang, where can they find you and where can they find our merchandising bullshit if I forget to put the commercial in when I'm editing this episode? <laughs> well, you can find our you can find our our, our bullshit that we sell, um, leggings, uh hats, uh baby clothes, right? Hacky sacks? Hacky, well t-shirts, <laughs> t-shirts, masks, anything, anything your your heart desires. Any slasher spatulas. stuff on it, spatulas, shower curtains, pillowcases, whatever. I still want to make the Slashers that. brand butt plug a thing. I mocked that up two years ago, and I'm still trying to find a merchandiser bold enough. So if you're a merchandiser, reach out. We'll talk. I want glass. No silicone. Are you, are you, are you just excited for product testing? Hey, you know. Hey, apparently a man can't have a real orgasm until he's done it out of his ass. I don't know this, but I'm willing to try with my own brand. <laughs> Adrian, are you blushing right now? Why? I'm not blushing. I'm just, I, I'm just sitting here. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that's all on Redbubble. You can leave us reviews on bullshit. You can do all that stuff. You can patronize us on the Patreons. Where can we find you, goons? Uh, you can. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Adam. I keep cutting Adam off, so Adam's going to go first this time. Oh. Go ahead. 
You can find me at otherboy underscore art on Instagram. I uh, haven't really had that many updates, but a lot of big stuff coming. That's what she said. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. That's why I was trying to speak really quickly. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, pathologically, A-D-E, um, on Instagram. So please come on by and um, like all my stuff because it makes me feel good about myself. Thank you. And I'm Gacy Jones on Instagram, but I very rarely update it because I do a lot of the updating on the Slashers pod, uh, which you can find us basically everywhere at Slashers pod. So just just do that. It's very easy. It's literally the word you are looking at at the top of this episode and just the word pod at the end of it, which is I even made it easier. I didn't even make you full type the full podcast. So do me a favor because I did you a favor and typed a couple words. So for these goons, I'm Jake saying goodbye and good die. Hey, you booty bum bum boys. It is your favorite foul mouthed robot radio jockey, Cyber Slash 1000, with another hidden track. This week is Easy Killer from Connecticut. Adam actually did their album art, which is pretty good. You know, for a human. You can find these goons virtually everywhere at Easy Killer CT. So go do that. Find them. Then kiss them on their bottoms. Mm-hmm.